20 questions or 20 minutes, whichever comes first, as long as it's you. This is You Go First. I'm your host, Blair Payton. We have 20 questions in a vase. My guests will draw the first question, and we'll go back and forth covering as much ground in 20 minutes. The timer begins after the first question is read. My guest today can be heard all over the world, specifically on Z100, New York's number one hit music station. But I first met our guest as Tater, the stunt boy in Roanoke, Virginia. Please help me welcome by, I don't know, following me on Instagram, Stacks Williams. Yay. Yay. How are you? I'm well. That was a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. I wrote it in about five minutes, practiced it once. Cool. Look, the the effort shows. <laughs> Thank you. So, how's it going? How's uh, how's it working at one of the biggest stations in the world? Um, it's great. You know, if you work or have worked in radio, um, most setups are the same. It's it's the same job. You know, there's just more of it, more a little more pressure. Uh, there are more events that you've got to write creative for, and more people to answer to, but. Aside from that, it's probably much of what you'd expect if you worked at a pop station. It's it's the same thing. Wow. Don't oversell it. <laughs> Just say <laughs> I'm in New York. I'm working. I see all these celebrities all the time. This is your moment to be like to make people uh, who went to school with you jealous. So try it again. Really oversell it. I am in awesome shape now. I've got an eight pack. Jay-Z is my best friend. Justin Timberlake's uh, my personal trainer. Oh, you shouldn't be. No, you can't mention Justin. He's currently kind of being canceled. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the whole free Britney thing. Um, all right, so I freed Britney. Oh, personally, I did it. No, it's like I said, it's awesome. It, you do meet a lot of celebrities, but it's it's not like you sit down and hang out with them every once in a while. That will happen, and that's super awesome. But when these people come in to do promo, uh, it, it's you're part of a conveyor belt for their day of you know, saying, hi, I'm insert artist name, and you're listening to insert station's name. And here's a zany comment somebody else wrote uh, that I've got to inject some life into. So um, that part can be really awesome and also really taxing because sometimes artists will come in and they don't want to play. And that's cool because if you put yourself in their shoes, it's like, man, I don't, I wouldn't want to say this either. I'm ashamed that I wrote it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can you say a line that is that you're embarrassed that you wrote? I don't think I can't think of a specific line, but I can think of a mistake that I made, which was I had the offspring in um, and I made a grammatical error. And one of them was just like, yeah, wait, who wrote this? This isn't written well. Like the grammar doesn't make any sense. So do I have to read it? And I was like, oh, no, that was one of our interns. Um, I'll, sorry, just skip that line. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. I think they knew it was me. Wow, I haven't heard I haven't heard about the offspring in a long time. Wait, what was the song they sang? Was it something about being a white boy? Yeah, pretty fly for a white guy. That was a big one. Uh, I mean, this wasn't at Z100, but I feel like I've been pretty professional since moving here. Like I take less risks with doing zany stuff with artists because uh, it used to be a thing that you would do for fun to make a name for yourself in the industry by taking massive risks, and then you get to a higher station and. Uh, there's a lot more to lose if you anger an artist that comes through. Have you ever angered an artist? <sighs> yeah, but not here. It's actually a great story. Um, it's when you and I were still working together in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, Chris Daughtry was still huge. 
And um, another name. You're just throwing out these vintage names that I haven't heard in years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dating myself. Um, there was another dude who had almost won idols that year. Um, Chris uh, Allen. Chris. Oh, no, he did win. He was like the really adorable one, and he it was him and uh, the dude who's like gay now, or was he was gay then, but like n- now he's like leaned into it. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh yeah, uh, Adam Lambert. Adam Lambert, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that year, but Adam Lambert didn't win. It was Chris Allen. Chris Allen. Okay, so Chris Allen came to play a show at uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. Was it like Buffalo Wild Wings or? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like their college venue. Oh okay, and. At the time, I just had this, you know, this like edge. I just wanted to be noticed. So I knew that he was going to be there in a few hours. And I did this break over a Chris Daughtry song and kept being like, and here's Daughtry Allen. I mean, uh, Chris Daughtry Allen. Sorry, I confused the two because they're the exact same artist and all they do is copy each other or something like that nature. Wow, you just went in. <laughs> yeah. God. I was just trying to be a shock jock, you know, and. I guess Chris Allen heard that in his tour bus on his way to the show. So at the concert, he called me out um, on stage. It's like, I heard a DJ on a local radio station uh, saying that I sound like Chris Daughtry and maybe we're brothers or something, which was almost verbatim what I said. And the crowd cheered because they thought that it was like a compliment and that it wasn't <laughs> me making fun of him. So it backfired. Yeah, uh, so he there, there's a YouTube video of it somewhere. Um, yeah, you know, really terrible sound quality. This is phones like 15 years ago, right? And uh, he's like, "Well, I'm not. We're not brothers. I'm, I'm my own brand. That station sucks." And uh, someone who had listened had heard that break and was also at the show, and they sent that to me later. And I was like, "Yes, I got one. I angered an artist." I mean, I don't even think not to nitpick. I mean, well done, by the way. But I don't think they sound alike. Maybe I'm just a huge Chris Allen stan. <laughs> i mean let's look him up real fast yeah look look and see what he's doing and i'm sorry to back up that story it was david cook was the <gasps> oh artist, makes more allen. sense that makes more sense yep david cook was very was very daughtry it's not chris allen well what a terrible story with the wrong name huh uh you know what it's uh we'll, we'll fix it in post so wait how did you wind up because when we met, K92 was your first big gig. Like, how did you get... Because you were the stunt boy for the nighttime show, right? I um, I was just waiting tables. And uh, I used to prank answer the phones at this steakhouse and pretend to be like a, a walkthrough menu. You know, thank you for calling Logan's, home of hot, juicy, delicious steaks. Please press one for meat, two for chicken, three for seafood. And people would fall for it and they'd you know go through a menu that I'd, I'd make up every time I answer the phone. And the uh, hostess who worked there thought that was hilarious. And she was like, you got to come check out the radio station. Like we're looking for someone to do bits like this. Um, and you'd be perfect. I was like, oh, cool. Well, yeah, I'm really into metal. I don't know if this is for me. And uh, so I didn't really go for it. And after the third or fourth time of her asking me, I was, I was like, I, I, I guess, yeah, let's go meet this guy, the new guy. And his name is Justin. Justin and I went and met for drinks and he sold me on this like celebrity filled world of money of the radio industry and how you're going to meet all these famous people. And you're going to sidebar. This was Roanoke this. and all the celebrities were like real world stars and like American <laughs> Idol cast offs, but continue. Did, 
<laughs> Didn't DJ Sway used to hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings a lot? You know, I never met him. So probably, I mean, it's not like there was like a lot of places to hang out in Roanoke. Maybe corned beef. True. Corned beef was a good one. Anyway, uh, so he had me sold on this, like filling my head with delusions of grandeur. And and he was really good about like making it seem real. Like he was always calling his real world friends on his phone. Like, look, she'll answer. Hey, what's up? And um, <laughs> And he was a lot of fun. So I just got hooked immediately with, with being around that and, uh, you know, being in the studio with him during the show. He was such a good jock. And uh, he convinced me to do stunts for his show. So what's a stunt? It, it's the publicity bits that, you know, night shows do when they need more content. Uh, so I would go to like restaurants, not wearing pants but like with a shirt and shoes on to test like the no shirt, no shoes, no service policy. And you, know, you do that over the phone and they'd kick you out and you'd be live on the air and hopefully hilarity, hilarity would ensue. Usually it'd be really awkward and we'd have to go and get it in post-production and make it funny to listen to because you do the bits and they're really funny if you're there. But if you're listening and you can't see what's happening, it's like, okay, well now they're getting really mad. I can see him shaking a finger at him. I don't know what's happened. Like, that's stupid. So we would spend a lot of time doing that stuff and finding bits that were funny to listen to, like, like paintballs were huge. Shooting me with paintballs was a good one. Cause you could mic up your chest so you could hear the paintballs, like come and hit you. Were you ever nervous? I feel like, cause I'm like the type of person who never wants to like anger anyone. So the thought of just like, I don't know, fighting the system with humor uh, gives me low-grade anxiety. Did you ever feel that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel that all the time. Um, I remember the uh, the no shirt, no shoes bit where I went to Waffle House without pants on. I was wearing boots, briefs, and a tight-fitting t-shirt and a, and a fucking cowboy hat. Classic. That was my design. I'm like, well, let's make it as embarrassing as possible so it's super funny. And I went to Walmart and bought like really baggy briefs so that they weren't, you know, too obscene. And I remember changing in the car and getting ready. And that's when it sank in that this bit is about to happen. And who knows <laughs> how it's going to go. Like I was nothing but ego and confidence until the moment I took my pants off. Yeah. Then it was like, shit, I don't think I want to do this. Um, but there's no backing out now. I got this guy who's my new friend who's, you know, wants to get me into this industry and he's And he's friends with the real world. <laughs> <laughs> so and I'm listening to the station just like, all right, he's in the Walmart parking lot. He just got a fresh cowboy hat and some briefs. We're gonna send him in a Waffle House. And it's like, I, I gotta go. And so I pulled up to Waffle House, my heart was just pounding out of my chest, my hands were shaking and um, I think I have the audio somewhere. You can hear it in my voice. I'm just like, well, uh, the, the sign doesn't say anything about pants. Uh, can I please come in? And then they <laughs> threatened to call the cops and I left. But I, it was it was super scary, man. And and a lot of those bits were pretty, especially if they involved someone that you had to go through a confrontation with. Um, it was scary. Like, what if this is the person who's been waiting for the day that they can kick someone's ass? Uh, for something stupid like this. <laughs> and in Roanoke, Virginia, like that shit happens. Oh, yeah. So how do you go from that to working at Z100? Did you sleep your way to the top? <laughs> I wish. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> um, I wish I was that good looking. What happened was uh, Justin, the new guy, that guy eventually moved on. And I took over that night, that shift at the station. 
uh, worked it for about three, two and a half, three years. And during that time, I learned that I was pretty good on the air, but that whole like stream of consciousness always be on. Um, I wasn't as good at that as I was with like taking time to write out jokes and, and really refine them. And, and producing stuff just came easier to me. Like that was something that when I got in front of a computer and started putting sounds together, it was a lot easier for me to imagine something and then make it happen. And like, oh, look, I did it. I, I could do this for a living. And so I started doing that for the station as well. And uh, a friend of mine, everything, you, you make connections and someone suggests you for a gig. And that happened where I got recommended for a job in Baltimore at uh, Z1043, another pop station. Uh, producing their imaging and production and also making like fucking tons of commercials, which sometimes can be really fun, but sometimes it's just work. Also writing for a Jack FM format, which was really right up my alley. It was. Yeah. Cause that was like, they would just play anything and everything. Those types yeah. of formats. Yeah. 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 They're still based in research. Like all stations are. The format was presented in a way where it's like, we don't really have a lane. So if you're just here for fun, this is going to be great for both of us. Um, and that was a really fun brand to, to learn how to write outside the box. So I did that for two years. And uh, my program director for Jack FM also worked in Washington, D.C. And when a job position opened to D.C. 101, he was like, hey, man, I think that you'd be great for this gig. It would be off air. So I don't know if you want to go in that direction with your career, but I'd love to have you on my team. And at first I was like, no, I can't. I'm an on-air guy, dude. I love setting up those tents in front of Cricket Wireless and giving out <laughs> stickers and CDs and getting... Uh... And I really did love those events. Like, it, It's way easier to be yourself and entertain when your people are right in front of you. And you can talk to them and you can engage instead of talking into a void and hoping that your joke was good. It's like the shittiest Zoom call on the planet because the delay is forever. Yeah, and a couple of weeks went by and I'm like, what am I doing? This is, this is a direction that I'm, I'm better at this and I'm super into rock music. So like, let's do it. So I took the job, moved to DC and uh, worked at DC 101, pushing the envelope with, you know, raunchy humor and being able to do the bits you can't do in pop because they're a little too offensive. Give me an example of some raunchy humor that you laid out. <sighs> I'm trying to think of things that you can still say now. Like we, everything that's been, that is now publicly acceptable, you know, it changes every four or five years. And I think even then we were doing stuff that was considered okay. And I would present at conferences and I get invited to one. Everyone would be like, Oh, well done. That was really funny that now it's like, I don't want to share that. That was, it was funny, but maybe that's not a good idea. <sighs> a lot of fart stuff. Okay. Farts are classic though. Yeah. You can still do fart stuff. Um, this wasn't really raunchy, but a one I'm still proud of uh, the fallout video game series is produced in Bethesda, Maryland, which is part of the Washington DC umbrella. Uh -huh. And um, it's a huge video game. And the male demographic that the station targeted was really into those kind of games. So I thought it'd be cool when the game launched because the previous title, the whole story of that game, which is like a survivor, first person, open world, do anything kind of video game. Uh, the previous game was based in Washington DC. So it's like all these things came together where it's like, this is a cool DC thing. Let's see if the game developers will give us some of their music so we can kind of celebrate the launch of the new game um, with the radio station. And I just cold called them I'm like, hi, I work at a radio station. Yeah, all right. So maybe you could give me some of your, uh, you know, music. And they're like, sure. Here's our marketing director's voicemail. And uh, 
I left a voicemail saying like, Hey, it'd be cool if we could do some of your stuff. Yeah. And she calls me back like an hour later, ecstatic. She's like, Oh my God, we'd love to do that. Would you like access to our actors? I'm like, uh, yeah, by the way, we have zero budget. So just so your paid actors know this will be pro bono, but uh, we don't have any money for them. She's like, okay. So all but one of the actors said, no, thanks. And it was one of the main guys. His name is Brian T. Delaney. He's a pretty prevalent, uh, like character voice actor for video games, probably making a killing, but not like on screen or anything. Uh, he happened to be like kind of a radio dude. So he revoiced our whole station as the character of the game. They gave us all the music for it. And we reskinned the station to sound like it came from the video game itself. Wow. When we, when I presented it to my boss, he was like, I love it, dude. But like, do you think people will get it? Cause it's just this one video. I'm like, I know I agree, but I think we should go for it. He's like, I think so too. So we're both kind of like, I hope this is worth all the effort. And we launch with it and people went fucking bananas. Um, calling to request promos like hey can you hear that play that music thing again with fallout like no one ever does that for your music promos and stuff so we posted them online yeah and uh bethesda shared a tweet of us posting it and we got like forty thousand web visits that week wow which for one week for one piece of imaging you do like that was huge so that was really awesome and, and not as raunchy but like a harder thing to pull off in the pop world because a lot of pop listeners definitely play games, but it's not like gaming isn't the bread and butter like it is with a rock format. Now, let me ask you this. In all these years, have you developed a love for pop yet? Yeah. Okay, great. Because I was I was getting nervous because at this point, I'm like, what else can I talk to you about if you don't love pop music? So I do. I'm glad you brought that up because Thank you. I feel like most people. Great interview. Um <laughs> <laughs> They don't call me Barbara Walters for nothing. I feel like most people, I, I go through, you know, wavelengths of style and stuff that I'm into. And like I mentioned before, I used to be really into metal because I used to be an angry, angsty, felt rejected kind of teen. And that music spoke to me. And if I was angry, it was probably like the heaviest it was, was maybe Paramore. <laughs> <laughs> so Paramore is still kind of metal. Uh, sure. She's still pretty gritty. Um, but then I, I kind of immersed myself in the pop world when I started in radio. And then I got tired of its plasticity. So I went back to rock. Um, not because I was sick of it. It just felt like a natural move. And then when a gig opened in New York and for the same thing, I, I just happened to be in the network of people being considered. And just because I was constantly sharing a lot of my work everywhere that I could be like, hey, can you check this out? Love to hear some feedback. Uh, how could this be better? That just got me in enough people's ears that when that job opened, they're like, hey, have you ever considered stacks? And people are like, oh, shit. Um, so someone who talked to someone, someone else got me in someone's ear. And that's how that all started. When uh, Mark Medina, the program director, and I spoke about it, he was like, do you think you'd be interested in this? Which when the boss of the station is like, do you think you'd be interested? It's kind of like, that sounds like I could definitely apply and have a shot at this. Do I want to go back to that format? Did you play it cool in the interview? Like you were like filing your nails and you're like, I don't know. I tried. Um, actually, Mark was like, when we were doing negotiations. He's like, so this is what it's going to pay. And this is this. And I'd already given some counter offers and I just sat there silently. Uh -huh. Like, okay. He's like, and I, I think like eight seconds went by. He's like, and just so you know, if you're just going to sit here in silence, I can also play that game. And I'm much better at it than you are. And then you're like, well, game on, motherfucker. 
and I immediately <laughs> gave up. I was like, okay, well, I guess that'll be, that'll do. I'd love to come work there. Um, but I was really worried, like, will I still fit this? And yeah. a thing that I learned was that I um, ended up falling in love with the pop scene more now than I was then because I was a lot more angsty, like less accepting of myself. I had less confidence. And so I was rejecting things. So this was your aha moment. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It really was like learning how to love stuff. Like, dude, I fucking love Dua Lipa. One, she's just beautiful, but she's got an incredible voice and her songs are catchy. And I don't know. I felt like there was a time where I felt more counterculture and now I'm super into pop culture, but I still have the counterculture roots, which I think helps give me my own defined style when it comes to writing and approaching things. So it's probably a strength. Well, as we go to commercial break, one wish that I want to manifest to you is that you have that full circle moment where you and David Cook can just like get together, (laughs) hash out your differences about his similarities to Daltrey, and then have a new friend. Let's look at his face real fast. (laughs) Dude, he looks like Chris Daughtry. If I could go back in time and see him, that was a funny story. But like, what a dick move. That poor guy was just trying to make his way. Okay, so we're going to take a break. And coming up, we're going to go through 20 questions in 20 minutes. So hang tight, everybody. back to you go first i am joined today by the wonderfully talented a voice that sounds like a million angels screaming at a devil stacks Williams. Ah. yes just like that uh so this is actually our second take because i realized i wasn't recording and you told an interesting story that no one will ever hear about how you got your name stacks yep fuck it fomo fomo for you yeah so people fomo is real Uh, Because that's a world we live in. 2021 is just a carryover of 2020. Okay, so we're going to get into the 20 questions. I am recording. Yes, yes, everything is happening. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to pick a number between 1 and 20. I'll read the corresponding question, and we'll just go from there. We'll get through a a bunch of fun little questions. So let me get the timer ready. All right, so pick your first number, and we will be off and running. Let's go with number 1. What assumption have you made that went hilariously wrong? Timer begins now. Oh, I know an okay one. Great. I love a good okay story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I went to a beer fest at one of the the piers. I think it was like Pier 15 on the east side of Manhattan. And these piers aren't very big, but they cram pre-COVID tons of people on them for these events. And uh, we bought like, you know, you get 15 tickets to go get your beers and you drink them on the pier and then you go somewhere else. And we're squeezed into this, this side somewhere. And I presume I'm good. So I'm just kind of chilling there drinking my beer. And some guy taps me on the shoulder and I'm like, yeah, what's up? And it's this dude, your typical, like the quintessential New Yorker kind of guy, just like stocky, a little bit shorter. He's like, hey, man. Your ass is in my wife's fucking face. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, your ass is in my wife's goddamn face. How short was she? She was like sitting down on oh, a bench. Okay. And I guess I just kind of walked in front of her. And I was like, this is a good spot. And just started drinking. <laughs> and 
I look back and sure enough, my ass is like right up. It's like this close to her face. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, you apologize to me. And I'm like, I don't see why I need to do that. Ma'am, I really was absent-minded. I just assumed this was an okay spot. She's like, really, it's not a big deal. It's fine. And I was like, okay, well, um, there's nowhere else to go. So do you guys, he said, well, what'd you just say? I'm like, I said, there's nowhere else to go. Um, so like, I'm sorry my ass was in your wife's face, but I don't, I can point it towards the water, but then my front is towards your face. And the woman's like, it's really not a big deal. And she's talking to her husband, like, can you please calm down? It, guys can get worked up and she's just trying to chill them out. And I'm now trying to get out of the situation because I'm not really a fighter. And this dude looks like he wants to kick my ass. So I get closer to my girlfriend and where her brother and his husband are at. And we got this bunch of beers, this little tiny table. I turn around and now he's sitting in her spot, making a point to like bow his shoulders out. So, and I'm like, well, I don't want to put my ass in his face. And now he's hoping that I do. I can tell. <laughs> he's like, do it, bitch. You could see. And his wife was standing over here. Like, you know, she, she knows what's about to happen. And I reach my fingers in uh, inside of the beers by accident to grab them. And I look over and he's got his hand around one of the beers and I have my hand inside of his beer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, this is it, man. This guy is going to throw me off of this fucking pier. And I think I said something like, of course, that's what happens next. And he just looks at me and he stands up and I was like, can I buy you another beer, man? And he just grumbled and walked off. And that was the end of this anticlimactic story. Maybe, maybe. Hold up. Here we go. I'm going to Dr. Phil this. Maybe he was sexually confused. He was into what he saw, but he was fighting it. You, you, now, when I rethink of that story with your comment in mind, it's like, well, that guy's ass is in my wife's face. Why does she deserve that? Mm-hmm. We're on the rocks right now and she's getting all the facefuls of ass that I want. So he takes it out on me. It's jealousy. Then sits down trying to get a whiff of this hot pooper. I don't love that you called it your hot pooper. <laughs> it was summer. Well, okay. <laughs> well, that is a fair, fair assessment. As I can't think of, I've done a lot of dumb stuff, specifically under the influence of alcohol. Um, the only thing, <laughs> I can't think of any assumptions right now I made, but I will say, I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but at my brother-in-law's 30th birthday, I got super drunk off uh, uh, what the vodka that tastes like sweet tea. And I drank that on an empty stomach. And because it was so sweet, I wasn't aware of how drunk I was getting. And I got so drunk. And like my sister's friends at that time were very wealthy. I was like just starting out. So I was like nothing. But I was drunk, so drunk that I would interject into group conversations when they were talking about, I don't know, 401ks, which I didn't have. And so I would get bored. And the way I exited the conversation was like, yeah, well, I fucked your mother. Thinking I was funny. um, But I was just... I was the worst. So I guess my assumption was I thought I was being funny, but I was um, just annoying. All right, pick another number. Let's go with 20. <laughs> have, have you ever gotten a lap dance? Yes. Okay. Walk me through it. Well, um, <laughs> let's go with my first one. Um, now, does your girlfriend know about this? Yeah. Okay. I'm not like... I'm no strip club hound or anything, but I think everybody's been to one or two. Um, They can be fun when you're with a big group of friends. I wouldn't go to one alone. That would be, that would be a whole kind of sad. 
had a tough Thursday, spilled spaghetti all over my shirt. I'm going to the strip club. Um, we went to this place called Deja Vu outside of Colorado Springs. And uh, I just turned 18, so I had a couple friends of mine. And one of those friends had was a year older than us. He's like, oh, guys, we got to go to Deja Vu. We're like, oh, yeah. So we go there. And it's it's really awkward if you're not used to that scene because, you know, people are naked and they come over and they put their arms around you. It's kind of like, I don't know if I, I don't know you. So maybe the touching isn't necessary. Like, I just remember feeling much more shy and awkward than I I thought it was gonna be like hot and instead it was mostly weird. Did you make conversation? Yeah, yeah. So they'd sit down and talk to you like, so what's your name, baby? It's like, oh my name's Brent. How's it going? Yeah, I had a chili dog at the 7-Eleven before I got here. It's not sitting too well, but I'm good. How are you? Like <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to people and in that capacity, like, are you supposed to be yourself? Um yeah. so they were doing a special, I'll never forget this. Uh the DJ was like, all right, boys, time for the Dirty 30, where you get three lap dances for 30 bucks for three songs. So make sure you tip your girls. And we're like, okay. Uh, so the dancers walk around the room mm-hmm. and they go ask people if they'd like to dance. And uh, I still don't understand what's happening. This, this one woman walks up to my friend Mike and goes, uh, would you like to dance? And he goes, I'm sorry, I don't know how. <laughs> She's just like what? And then walked away and left him there thinking that that was a horrible rejection of him being a huge smart ass, but he actually thought that she was asking him to dance. But yeah, I ended up getting one. And I remember thinking, I don't quite understand what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) You sit in the couch and they kind of move around a lot and they say stuff. And um, what would they, what did they say to you? I feel like they would say something like, you having a good night, baby? Mm, Like moan or something. Like, I don't remember exactly what the words were. I just remember never having a response. It was like, (laughs) she might've been like reading ingredients in the back of a, of a cereal box for all I knew. Riboflavin. (laughs) Maltodectrose. Like that's how it sounded in my head. The only, the one and only time I've had a lap dance was when my friend Brian was getting married and all of his uh, groomsmen went to, it was Gold and Silver in Roanoke. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't say the most high end strip club, but this was when I was like deep in the closet. Uh, and so he got, one of the groomsmen got everyone lap dances. So the girl I got, she looked like she had a terrible acrylic Britney wig. And she came up and like, you're, you're in the position and I'm like super uncomfortable, but I'm like also thinking I have to be an actor in this moment because all the other guys are like into it. And so I'm just like, come here, you know, and she just, she's like grinding on me and I'm like frozen. And I think she was expecting me to have some sort of reaction, penisly speaking. And it was not, it was, um, it was a sleep. In fact, I think it was hibernating. And at one point, she turned around and started flicking it. Like, wake (laughs) it up. Like, she was getting annoyed. And then she just walked away. So I'm just, like, sitting there while everyone's, you know, getting their lap dances and they're finishing up. And I was like, yay, bye. So. That's a thing I was always curious about is, like, are you supposed to be visually aroused? Because there's not a lot of time. It's, It's usually a song. And it's not a long song and like do they want that i think it was kesha's tiktok by the way 
that's what was playing. Well, all right, pick another number. Twelve. All right, question twelve. Uh, what's the wildest thing you've ever done in a hotel room? I'm not sure if I've ever done anything super wild in a hotel room. Um, I mean, you used to work for a rock station, and I've heard stories about rock stars, and I'm just lumping you in that category. Yeah, I never got to go to their hotel rooms, though. If you don't have a story, what would you want to be doing in a hotel room? That's crazy. Oh, man. Pizza party? I would like to fill it with water so that we could swim around inside of it. You know, hotels have pools, right? Yeah, but like, what if your room, you could fill it with water, swim in it, and then open the door when you're done and all the water pours out and you ride it down the hallway? Yeah, but then you come back to just like a wet room and all your clothes are wet. Or would that be in a separate room? I'm going to a different room after that. Oh, okay. This is rock star level shit, so. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, as someone who's like afraid to do anything, uh, I've never done anything crazy. The craziest thing was some friends of mine before we turned 21. We got some, um, I don't know if they still make it, but Sky Vodka, they, they're like kind of equivalent to Smirnoff Ice. We got a bunch of those when we were 19 and got into a hotel room, drank those, and watched, like, Friday night television. We were cool. (laughs) Nice. All right, pick another number. Uh, Three. This is a listener question. I've recently been laid off, and my best friend is willing to help me financially till I find a job. But I'm reluctant to accept the help despite needing it. What should I do? Oh, man. Yeah, money and friends are weird, right? I don't know. It depends, right? Like I had a friend who was in trouble with money once and uh, I gave him like uh, 400 bucks, which at the time seemed like an enormous amount of money, uh, which still is a lot. So he'd get his bills taken care of. And it was like, you don't have to pay me back. It's just is what it is. Um, and he chose to pay it back anyway. And I felt like it didn't really harm our friendship, but it depends on your friendship. Like if you were in the flipped position, would you accept money if a friend offered it to you? If I really needed it and it was one of my close friends, yeah. Okay. If there was no other place to get it and I knew that my friend probably had enough money lying around to be like, hey, you need help. You can take this. I I feel like I would accept it. If it was someone that I was truly close with, knowing that it wasn't coming with strings attached or, you know, I I feel like people don't like taking charity sometimes because it feels like it uh, degrades you maybe. Or and also the obligation, because not only do you have this money, then you're like, oh, I have to pay them. Of course, I have some friends that I would not lend money to, which sounds bad, but it's like, I know how they are with money. I think everybody does, right? Like, not everybody is good at uh, at all the same stuff. Uh, Like, those friends, I'd rather just be like, why don't you just take the money? (laughs) You need 200 bucks, you need 400 bucks. If it's a couple thousand, then I'd be like, all right, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd take it if I needed it. But I think you also, too, have to kind of look at the subtext of this. Because maybe it's a situation, you know, like in movies where you're friends with someone, but you don't realize they're the perfect person until like a, a significant moment happens and you're like, oh, my God, I love you. So maybe this is their way of saying, I love you. So this is actually, think about it, a proposal. Wow. Right? So this could be the beginning of a romantical relationship. So does that mean that they shouldn't take the money? Or they should. Um, well, see, I'm seeing it as a proposal. So I would take the money. So I guess it's <laughs> whichever way you look at it. But I think the real question you need to ask, and I'm speaking to Sam in Pennsylvania, is are you ready to have sex with this person? And then go from there. 
For money. For money. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right, pick another number. Oh, man. Um, let's go with 16. Now, I want examples for this. Mary, Boff, Kill. Idris Alba, Gary Busey, Seth Rogen. Mm, well, definitely Mary Idris Alba. Okay. I mean, look at that guy. He's beautiful. Um, and he's just, he seems like the kind of person I would like to talk to frequently. Okay. Like that, that would be a marriage. I feel like it'd be a good relationship. And I've seen him in person. He walked in our building once and I was like, man, he's, he's a handsome dude. He's tall. He looks, he looks the same. You know, like you see TV people in real life. Sometimes you're like, nah, it's not, it's production. Like he's, he's 100% there. Did you speak to him? No, he was, he was in the front like doorway as I was walking into and he had a big entourage of people. And I've always felt like when that happens, it's best just to leave them be. Unless you see fans around them talking and it's like, all right, cool. I can, I can go join too. Um, oh man, that's tough, right? Because Gary Busey could be a pretty sick boff. That dude's <laughs> got a lot of experience. <laughs> been around for a very long time and he's been through a lot. And he probably knows some tricks. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be a careful lover. But I don't want to kill Seth Rogen because he has made me laugh many times, though he's also made me not laugh just as many times. Yes, that's my answer. Boff, Gary Busey, kill Seth Rogen. Sorry, Seth. I think that makes sense because something about Seth, he just looks like he doesn't have the most pristine uh, personal hygiene. Yeah. So that would make me worried. Um, Plus, like you said, uh, you know he's hit or miss with me for comedy. So, and he also has kind of a slightly annoying voice, but with all that said, I do like him (laughs) despite what I've just, how I, but you know what? This is, this is the rules and you have to, you have to justify. So I will kill Seth Rogen. I think for me flipped, I would have sex with Idris only because if you marry him, typically the rule is the sex goes away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I think with Gary, he'd always keep it fresh. Like, we'd be watching TV, and then all of a sudden, he'd just start, I don't know, playing a ukulele. And I'm like, Gary, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, Gary. Pick another number. We have two minutes left. Okay. Um, 18. Oh, okay. Now, this is a very good question, I think. <laughs> and I would, because I've been racking my brain here. How should the new Sex and the City revival deal with the absence of Samantha? They could just recast the entire show. So you're ageist. No, it's not about age. It's about reaching a new audience. Okay. And I think that they should recast it with male and female leads. And they should have the occasional cameo by the original cast where available. And uh, they should also make it more pansexual. I think that would reach a larger audience and also make it an even edgier show like it used to be back when things were a little bit less edgy. All right, you did it. You got through six questions. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, showing up today, mostly myself, even though I was several minutes late. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot to hit record uh, for part of this interview. (laughs) So I think we're I think we're even. Uh, This is your platform. Anything you'd like to promote social media? I do have a podcast I did with my friend, but we haven't updated it in about two years because <laughs> it took so much work. <laughs> but if you want to check it out and listen to some really ridiculous stories, it's called Two Drink Minimum. But it's one of three other copywritten Two Drink Minimums, which is the reason why we stopped doing it. 
Um, but you know, keep an eye out because I think I'm going to launch something soon. This is a preemptive publicity uh, run. What? How many episodes did you record? I think we did two seasons. Uh, probably like 25 episodes. Okay, that's a total. pretty substantial amount of shows. Yeah, it was good. The the thing about the show, and this is why we stopped doing it. Um, there is not a point to it. It's like a Seinfeld. It's like a diet Seinfeld where it's just all conversational and. Some episodes, when I listen back to it, um, I'd be like, that was dumb. We shouldn't release that. Other ones were great. It's just two people sharing stories about their lives. Um, and uh, some of those are really good. Okay. Well, I'm half sold. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just giving you, I'm not an over promoter. I just want you to know the truth about me and my hot pooping podcast. I think that's the rebranded name. Hot dumpers. Everyone, thank you so much for listening and or watching to You Go First. Uh, Be sure to subscribe on your favorite uh, platform. We're on all of them. So if you're not subscribing at this point, you're avoiding me and that hurts. I need um, acceptance and love and just some sort of validation. So just follow, maybe rate it five stars. I'd love that. Uh, You can also follow us on social media at You Go First Show. Super dope. Uh, With that said, have a great day and we will talk to you soon.